Welcome to In Season, where we explore the connections between people, plants, land, and wildlife here in the lower Columbia Pacific region. I'm Teresa Retzloff, and joining me today is Quetzal Levine. Um, you will recognize her voice from her decades-long career as a correspondent for NPR. She was their uh, horticulture uh, expert for many, many years. And she now um, runs the Horticulture Arts Program at the Hoffman Center for the Arts down in Manzanita. Hi, Quetzal. Hi, Teresa. It's so good to talk to you again. And I'm I'm excited because you brought to my attention a really cool event that's coming up down at the Hoffman Center um, at the end of March, on March 31st. Um, It's Manzanita Day, which seems... It's Manzanita Day! I know, it's so cool. Um, Weird to have an... Like, it's great to have a a town named after a plant, and then you can celebrate that plant. It seems um, very appropriate. So tell me a little bit about this event and what's going to be happening on the 31st. Well, let let me take you back a couple of years. It really... Manzanita Day really is a, a thing... Uh, it is. It was uh, made an official proclamation uh, by the then mayor of Manzanita in celebration of the shrub we call home, oh. or <laughs> that we live near, yeah. or whatever. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> and so it's an opportunity. Over the years, it's an opportunity to showcase Arctostaphylus, the genus Arctostaphylus and to get people to repopulate the landscape with Arctostaphylus, with manzanita. Now, of course, the manzanita that is specifically, there there are only two, essentially, that are specifically native to this immediate community. Uh, but we are lucky enough to not only to be able to grow those, of course, but also to be able to grow a wide array that do very beautifully in the home garden and that give us a variety of sizes and colors, even leaf, te- even leaf forms uh, and um, uh, bloom times. Some are earlier and some are later. Uh, you so can have a garden it, just of manzanita. You can have, <laughs> well, actually you can have a garden just of manzanita. <laughs> They're, and they're renowned for their bark, isn't it? That's one of the things the that's bark, so distinctive about well, them. Well, that's it. So you really do get four seasons from them. And they're, uh, the trickiest thing about growing manzanitas is just you need to back off from your manzanitas. You need to give them full sun, fast drainage, no overhead irrigation, no irrigation, no fertilizer. Even when they're getting established? Year one. Year one, maybe Year irrigate one. a bit. Year one in the summer uh, and then back off. And the fast irrigation is that do, because I'm assuming the sand, this, the fast soil is draining. more sandy down there. So really like cl- heavy clay soil would not be their favorite place. They don't yes. like wet soil. They want it to be dry and fast draining. So it coastal to, coastal gardens. Dry, yeah, dry dry is not an option. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, fast drainage is crucial. And then what we do in the Wonder Garden with the manzanitas is that we actually mulch with gravel, which with given that our manzanitas tend to be on the smaller side, uh, like under five feet, uh, there's no splashback from mulch or soil, which also can create or enhance fungal problems, which they do suffer from. And you, anyone who's out and seeing manzanitas will see branch die off or leaves that look lousy or whatever. There's really nothing that you can do about that, but pick your locations carefully and your selections carefully. Some are a little bit more 
shade tolerant than others. So one of the cool things about this is you're going to have a plant sale, right? Mm. At this. Well, what better way to get manzanita? It, it seems like a perfect, perfect opportunity. And Astoria. Yeah. And, and Cannon Beach and Tillamook and you name it. Yeah, we are working with our favorite nursery. Actually, we like to call ourselves, uh, which is Zero Plants in Portland, uh, we like to call ourselves uh, Zira West. <laughs> appropriate, appropriate. And, yeah, and they are making uh, available to us, wow, I think I've ordered maybe like 75 to 90 manzanitas in an array of species that you are not going to find anywhere around here. So it's going to be a great sale. So we're going to have manzanitas, and they're all going to be 20 bucks. They're beautiful uh, six inch pots which is more or less a gallon and then we're also going to have a lot of uh, Oregon wildflowers and we're going to have hundreds of those and they'll be in four inch pots and I believe we're selling those for four dollars and they are going to be ready to bloom so you just pop those in and you'll have bloom from I would say uh, April through uh, into July depending on what you choose. So it should be a fabulous plant sale. And the best thing about the plant sale is that it's inside. <laughs> so you're, so this one is not taking place in the garden. It's going to be in the actual Hoffman Center. So it's a rain or shine. It, Teresa, with that much money on the line, <laughs> acquiring that many plants, I am not risking it. Yeah. yeah. No, that makes it's, so much sense, especially this time of year. You just never know what the weather is going to do to us. So yeah, yeah, it seems perfect to have it inside. And that's a really cool array of plants. Um, I really wish that I could uh, grow manzanita on my farm. I just don't think I have the soil for it. I think I've, it's too much clay, too heavy, yeah. too wet, which would be tragic because I just love them. But I'll just come down there and visit them. And there, As I say, you know, if you come down and visit me, uh, I will hook you up with a manzanita that might be tough enough uh, for you to try. Okay. Uh, there are a few of them that are really uh, indestructible. Although having said that, it's because my definition of indestructible used to be parking strips, <laughs> and what and your farm is probably not parking not quite strip. Parking terrain. strip? No, yeah. but it does get cold. We do get colder than a lot of the coastal. Yeah. zones get i mean that's the tricky thing about this whole region is that there's so many microclimates and yeah. you know what does well in one place you know just 25 30 miles away it could be terrible so i mean it's uh, fun am, and exciting i am willing to risk the life of a manzanita <laughs> I, on you i would and, love to try one i think hey, that sounds like such an what? adventure i mean i, I well, they're such beautiful plants there's such beautiful there, plants. There, there is a solution manzanitas some manzanitas love life in a pot love it well, there we go. There you go. I could do it in a container. And that's full, such a lovely thing. Full sun. Full sun. Full, I got full sun. I okay. Can do full, I can do you full sun. Okay. Not a shady place. Yeah. So, okay. All right. We're on. And I'm going to come down. I'm going to get that plant. I'm going to be so inside at the Hoffman Center. But then you also have a cool thing happening in the afternoon. So the, I, I just want to say, like, the plant sale is, is from 11 to 1. On and Friday, March 31st. And on... Manzanita Day is the last day in March, March okay. 31st. So Friday, March 31st. Mm -hmm. And um, and also just to emphasize that, like, there's not going to be any pre-sales for this event. You just got to show up yeah. and get there early and get the best plants. Yeah. So... And, you know, and if it's raining, we'll have uh, awnings out. So we're not going to let people who are queued up 
get wet and take care of everybody. Yeah, you know, people out here, we should be able to handle the rain. <laughs> We've had a lot of practice in these last few years. I know people can be remarkably wimpy about it. I mean, and myself included, you know, I don't like getting into my rain gear and going out and having to do things on my farm. But at the same time, you know, I mean, if you don't, if you're not willing to put on a rain jacket and get a little bit of wet, you're, you know, yeah. you're going to never do anything. You're in, the wrong, you're in the wrong place. You're in yeah. the wrong climate. I know. So you come for the yeah. plant sale and that's going to be great. And you can go have lunch. Right. Enjoy Manzanita, right. celebrate Manzanita right. Day. It'll be beautiful. Right. And then in the afternoon, you've got a really cool speaker coming. Um, yes, yes. We have a very well-known Northwest photographer by the name of David Perry, who's out of the Seattle area. And his work is astonishing. And, of course, he will have beautiful photographs. But... The interesting thing about this talk is that it is the first in a year-long series that we he's kicking off on gardening with a changing climate. And David had addressed the Hardy Plant Society of Oregon uh, back in the fall at uh, a very large meeting, and he was the keynote speaker, and people were raving about his observations and his philosophical takes on the kinds of garden gardeners that we grew up as, if you will, mm -hmm. over the last couple of decades, those of us who've been gardening for decades, and where we're headed and the need for change, the need to observe the changes around us, which, I mean, see, you know, want to see them or not, they're around us, and, and, and how to respond, and I suppose how to respond with something other than despair and worry yeah so it's, it's so hard because oftentimes it means letting go of plants that you love that's exactly what it means and that can be really hard and I think we fight hard. against that so much and yet hard, I think we've hard, all been hard. through some pretty wild weather in the last few years and I've lost plants and I've had things where I'm like you know what I'm just not going to grow you anymore because you just don't seem to be able to handle what's happening here and yes. you know if we can yeah go forwards into that and kind of embrace it with curiosity. That seems like such a better approach than to be mad about it. I yes. mean, I'm mad about it. I'm mad about climate change. You know, I'm mad about it for so many reasons. Of course. But it's also accepting if we want to continue as gardeners and as farmers, you know, for myself. I mean, that's like, we've got to adapt. And um, so, yeah, he sounds amazing. I, I like that he's described also as a storyteller that yes. that leads me to think that it's going to be a really good talk. I think it's going to be a, I think it's going to be a fabulous talk, but you know, I will say um, we're hoping to reach out to a community beyond just home gardeners, because mm -hmm. this isn't a how to talk. This isn't a, you know, this isn't a talk about what and what not to plant or how to, how to or not to amend the soil or improve your drainage or whatever. Uh, whatever that might be, uh, it's uh, it's really a talk about the whole. And uh, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about my observations as I'm going into uh, creating this series that, that we are creating at the Hoffman Center. Yeah. Um, and there are a, a couple of things that have jumped out at me over the years. None of this is new. Your listeners are not going to be surprised by any of this. It's just, okay, well, if we step up to deal with these things, what does that look like? So um, one, one of them, of course, is the phenological 
mismatch of flowers not being open when the pollinator is active, right? So for instance, hummingbirds and bees might arrive either too early or too late to feed on the flowers that they normally rely on. So we're going to see this for uh, across many animal species, insect animal species. And ways of dealing with it, you know, we're all reading about this and thinking about this. Um, To to address a mismatch of timing like this um, would include uh, choosing garden plants that have long flowering seasons. This is assuming that the animals can make the transition. And also, you know, the one that we've all been after for a long time now, planting as much of a variety of pollinating plants as possible. Yeah, and things that bloom over a long season, you can have. Yeah, yeah, you can have things that maybe, um, like they, like this plant starts blooming very early, and then is it stopping? This next one is starting. I'm just trying to make sure that you've got something blooming almost year round if you can, because you never know. Like you said, when those who's going to swing by? Who's going to swing by to belly up to the bar and there's nothing? I feel like we saw that that we saw that so much last year here. When mm. with that incredible rain that we had so late in the season, and mm-hmm. you know when the trees were blooming, then we had a freeze, and the bees weren't flying, and so many people noticed like tr- like much less fruit exactly. on their trees, you know, and exactly. that's just a small impact there. But you when you exactly. start to really realize that that's going to just keep happening. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so you know there's yeah. there's so much talk about pollinators. In fact, I'm visiting. Uh, I'm visiting some friends of mine down in Corvallis this weekend, and one of them is um, 10 years old, and she just came back from a meeting with her Girl Scout troop about planting a pollinator garden. And um, and I think what we need to reiterate about this is that it's the timing that's changing. Mm-hmm. And so this is a changing climate you know, it's not just it's not just we want to attract them. We need to provide for them in terms of uh, uh, protecting them against their not being uh, at the right place at the right time. And habitat. I mean, that's that's another thing, too. It's like thinking about the food for them with the pollinating plants or the plant, you know, the plants, but also like where do they live? What kind of habitat do they need? You know, do you need to leave your leaves on the ground so the burrowing insects cannot be disturbed? There's so many things. It's it's a whole, you know, you have to take that whole ecosystem approach to it in a sense and just think about if we want these insects and these birds to be around and surviving, how are we taking care of them and welcoming them, you know, so that they have the best chance to survive and do their thing? Well, and I think that for those of us who been thinking about this for a while and all the people who listen to your program who think about this all the time um, it's not necessarily new but for old for for another part of me which is the old-fashioned gardener in me you know it's like well you know well I, I want to tell you about uh, about somebody else uh, who I've encountered recently um, 
but I'm not quite ready to pivot. So if, can you remind me that I want to tell will, you about? Absolutely, yes. I'll bring, we'll come back to that. <laughs> sorry. Then we'll pivot and we'll bring somebody else up. No, it's totally fine. I just, okay. I'm excited that you're doing this series um, at the Hoffman Center. I think it's such a great thing to focus on and to look at that as an art, because there's so many different ways that you can approach climate change and horticulture um, from so many different angles. And... But the point is that you, that you need to do it. Yeah. And that, that's, that's kind of what I was trying to say is that as an old fashioned gardener, you know, I want what I want when I want it. And I know what I want, or at least I used to know what I want. And, you know, and you and used to be able to have that. And I used to be able you to know. have it. And I wasn't worried about all of these other things because, you know, there were, there were other places for all of these animals to go to get what they needed. Mm -hmm. You know, well, hello. Yeah. It's on so, you now. It's on all of us. But I think we do have to, you know, really rethink how we approach gardening. And I mean, I think, in, you know, if I can get a little philosophical here, too. Oh, I think it's the, your show, honey. Go for it. <laughs> well, I just think about that whole, you know, you, you said something about like, you were, you know, as an old fashioned gardener, you used to being able to have whatever you want, whenever you want it. And I feel like that's kind of like our culture at large has gotten used to this whole like, but I want it, but I want it now, but I want it to do this, but I, I want this to happen. Don't tell me no. And I've encountered this a lot as I try to talk people through what plants to put in their gardens. And, you know, even just the the thing about, I'm sorry, that, you know, that tomato plant wants full sun. And if you only have shade, it's going to die. And there's nothing, you know, like, I can't magically make a tomato plant that wants to live in full shade. And I, you know, sometimes I would get a lot of pushback from people about, but I want it, but I want to grow tomatoes. And I'm like, then you need to move you know, sell your house and move to a place with sun or cut down all the trees, you know, but you, you can't always have what you want. I feel like I'm constantly quoting the Dang Rolling that. Stones, but you know, yeah. it's just like, you know, geez. yeah. I mean, I, you know, people love, for instance, people love dogwoods. Well, who doesn't love a dogwood? They're so beautiful. Well, most of us can't blow, can't grow them out here. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, it's not going to work. Travel and you know? visit it in someone else's garden. <laughs> Yeah, or go into the woods and look at the native, yeah. the native dogwoods. Oh my God, yeah. what could be more spectacular? I know that. Um, it, yeah, there is a lot of that, and so it's I, there's a there's an acceptance I think that we have to and come to, and then also allow ourselves to be humbled by nature. That like nature is so much more powerful than we are. Okay, so I want to go back now to when I said. There's someone else I want to talk to you about. Cool. We're, we're pivoting now. We're pivoting. <laughs> yeah. If you don't mind. A absolutely. That, no. This, this addresses the old gardener in me and the gardener who started in, when did I start? I started when my marriage was falling apart. So that would be the mid 80s I, I often joke that you know I mean that's how I turned to gardening was that I, I needed a coping mechanism and, mechanism and that was it it's a wonderful I'm not, coping mechanism. I'm not the only one no nope, <laughs> not at all and so um I attended a, a meeting a zoom meeting with a, an Australian gardener named Michael McCoy perhaps there are people who are listening to your show who who were lucky enough to hear him but um, McCoy also started way back when, and we're talking about, you know, he, he talked about his education as a gardener, and he talked about something called horticultural virtuosity, and this was his idea of getting the absolute maximum out of every plant, 
So in other words, you, you wanted peak performance. That's, you know, he was studying in England for a while with Christopher Lloyd and every, every perennial, every plant was beyond picture perfect. You know, it was, it was plant porn. It was flower porn. And he, he learned over the decades as he learned about resource uh, restrictions. And in Australia, they've been screaming, you can't use water for 30 years now. Um, and soils and how he used to beef up the soils. And, and it was all about making the soils as delicious and as wonderful to get this peak performance. Well, guess what? I mean, the problem with peak performance w with them is that the only way to keep it up is to keep feeding and to keep feeding and to keep feeding and, and to, to keep watering and water and top dress and feed. And, and um, now he's, here we are in the 2020s and it's like, whoa, that's over. You know, that's over. The plants that he chooses have completely changed. He only deals with native soils and what he will do in his subsoil is in if in, is improved drainage improve that drainage and use plants that can adapt to those native soils now it doesn't mean only native plants it's just if i'm gonna have to it, you know if i have to work this hard to get you to grow then it's in no one's interest anymore and so that whole idea of being a star gardener and and having, you know, this peak performance garden, it's like, let it go. That is really powerful. And that's such a, a shift that we have to make. I mean, that's, a, that's really impressive that he was able to make that. Because when you become renowned, especially, and, and I think, you know, whether you're an internationally known gardener or whether, you're, you know, you're just, you're the person on your block with the beautiful garden, you know, understanding and accepting that we might have to move on from that and we might have to change how we think about what we expect of our plants. I think that's that's so well said and so beautiful. Are you well, are you well, finding that in your own garden? Are you trying to, to embrace that? I don't really have I don't pay much attention to my home garden, but this is a crisis for me in the Wonder Garden. And this is the garden that is in Manzanita that I hope your listeners will come to or have it's such been a to. beautiful public garden um, right across a, from the Hoffman Center. It's, it is a beautiful public garden across the street from the Hoffman Center, right on Lanita in Manzanita. But guess what? I'm ready to redo the largest bed because I've gotten myself in an, I have, as he called it, and I thought that was brilliant, unsustainably elevated soil. And I can't keep top dressing and mulching. I mean, what I've ended up with are layers that water is not necessarily trickling through. I'm on a berm. You saw them. So I'm on a berm and the berms are constantly disintegrating. And uh, I am changing up in one bed as a demonstration bed, you know, gardening with a changing climate, uh, going to change up the plants that are in there. And uh, I'm going to mulch it with gravel. And good luck, y'all. <laughs> are you changing? Are you going to change the plants that you're using? Are you, are you taking yes, some I out am. and they're just, see you later? Yes. You're not here yeah. anymore and there's some new plants you're introducing. I mean, that's exciting. I think it's that's, both. and that is it's a really both. great um, 
great demonstration. I mean, there's there's some grief in that and some Hell loss yeah. too. I mean, there's I don't know how you are. I mean, I find like there's plants that I welcome back every year and I'm so excited to see them or when they bloom and it's like oh hey it's you again it's like having old friends show up and come around and hang out with you for a while and when you can't have them anymore there's a loss there and a sadness but also it might also make room for something new we that's what we count on when we lose plants every year it's like oh that one died well here's an opportunity so i'm nervous about this because the wonder garden is public and so i'm about to you know my team and i are about to make mistakes in public <laughs> <laughs> but that but you're also showing people that it's okay to make mistakes and to learn from them and try new things well i mean ideally i mean i don't personally feel that way but maybe they'll take that away well, you know, we all have to grow and change. I mean, I, I feel like I have made so many mistakes um, throughout my life as a gardener and as a farmer. I've probably killed as many plants as I've had survive. And I've tried so many things that have not succeeded. Um, and then many things have. And then it's changing. And who knows? But there is something that's... I try to... Sh I mean, I do try to share that with people because I want to reassure them there can be so much devastation when we kill plants or we can't grow something. And uh, I think knowing that that happens to everybody, even the best gardeners, there's a comfort in that um, and, a, yeah. and like a, a camaraderie, too. We're all in this together. And I think that that kind of goes back to your whole like gardening in a changing climate theme where we are all in this together. And all of our gardens are part of these interlocking ecosystems that need to shift and yeah. learn to adapt. Kind of Kind of, kind of sad how many years this has been out there and mm -hmm. how long it's taken us all to. It has, but you know. Yes, but it's okay. It's, it's okay. We're getting fine. there, and it's and fine. we will continue it's to fine. get there. I know. I am. I we're running out of time, and I I want to just re um, re mention um, kind of what we've been talking about. Um, so I, if you if you are uh, have been listening for a while but missed the introduction, I've been speaking with the fabulous Ketzel Levine. Um, former NPR correspondent and now a director of the uh, Horticultural Arts Program at the Hoffman Center in Manzanita. And they are having, they're celebrating Manzanita Day on March 31st. It's the last day in March. And there's a plant sale from 11 to 1. Manzanita plants. Manzanita plants and also other be beautiful, <laughs> blooming Oregon flower plants. Uh, native flowers. And then also there's going to be a really fabulous um, talk from a photographer and storyteller, David Perry, from two to four. There is a ticket price for the David Perry's talk, um, but the plant sale is free. And check it out on their website, hoffmanarts.org, I think. And uh, it just sounds like such a great day. And I'm, I'm excited. I'm really going to try and come. Because I need to, oh. you're going to hook me up with a manzanita that's going to grow on my farm. And this is going to be great. Come, Maybe. If you, come, if you come, I'll hook you up. All right. That sounds like a plan. Okay. <laughs> and, um, and, and this is part of the a beginning of a, a season of talks about gardening with the changing climate. So, Ketzel, thank you for sharing your stories and your thoughts. Um, it's been so wonderful and delightful to talk to you again. <laughs> Always sweet to be with you, Teresa. Oh, Always sweet. Yeah, and I, I hope that you're able to, all of you listening out there, are able to um, consider going down and um, and engaging with this project or definitely go visit the Wonder Garden opposite the Hoffman Center and see the, the cool renovations that they're going to be taking to try and make their garden more adaptable to climate change. That's a, such a 
challenging thing to do, but you know, we're all in it together and we need to just face the reality that things are changing. So Ketzel, again, thank you. It's been delightful. We've been recording this over Zoom, so if there's been any weird sound things, that's probably why. Um, because sometimes proximity is not possible. But hopefully the next time I talk to you, we'll be in person. And then we can go have a cup of tea and hang out. Thank you. I okay. really enjoyed it. And thanks to everybody who's listening. And, um, you know, hang in there. We're going to get through this. Climate is weird. <laughs> Just... <laughs> um, Thanks. Thanks for talking to us. Bye-bye.